Arizona is a unique place full of stories, folklore, and Wild West chicanery. From KJZZ's original productions, Untold Arizona explores some of these stories you probably haven't heard about the Grand Canyon State. I'm Tiara Vian, here with two Arizona tales recorded before the pandemic last year. Many people in the Southwest claim they've seen La Llorona, or the Weeping Woman. People have spotted her along the Rio de Flag in Flagstaff all the way down to the San Pedro River near Tucson. Laurel Morales shares the story. Longtime Flagstaff storyteller Tony Norris recently visited the third grade class at Puente de Hojo Elementary School to sing songs and tell stories. When Norris said he was going to tell the story of La Llorona, several hands shot up in the air. You've got your hand up. Do you know about La Llorona? When kids cry, um, she hears them. She starts crying. And then she says, Mis hijos. And who told you about La Llorona? My grandma. As Norris tells it, a long time ago, there was a young woman named Maria. She was the most beautiful girl in all of northern Arizona. And she knew it. She was kind of full of herself. She would say, Abuelita. When I marry, I'm going to marry the most handsome cowboy. Her grandmother told her there were more important qualities in a man, but Maria did not listen. One day, she met a cowboy who was indeed handsome. They married, built a house on the banks of the Rio de Flag, and had two children. The couple was happy for a while, but soon Maria's husband went back to his old ways, drinking and gambling. One day, Maria was watching a monsoon storm roll in, when he showed up with another woman. He told Maria, I'm only here to see my children. Boom, 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 boom. The lightning crashed and the thunder rolled and it began to rain and something snapped. Maria went crazy, crazy with hurt and anger and jealousy. She was so hurt, she took her children and she threw them in the Rio de Flag. The waters were rising and the flood was rushing along. When she realized what she had done, she began to run along the banks. Mis hijos. But it was too late. They had already drowned. As she was running, she tripped on a large white rock, hit her head, and died instantly. Norris said not that long ago, a group of kids was playing outside until their parents called them in for supper. One boy refused, saying he wanted to watch the moon rise. So he sat down on a large white rock next to the Rio. In the distance, he saw a figure coming toward him through the trees. And as it came closer, he could hear, When the figure got closer, she put her hands on his shoulders, but they were the hands of a skeleton. He was looking right in the face of La Llorona, but La Llorona didn't have a face. It was just a skull, and as she leaned close, he could tell that La Llorona had bad breath. (laughs) At that moment, the boy prayed harder than he'd ever prayed before, and she released him, so he ran all the way home. If you think La Llorona is real, raise your hand. If you think La Llorona is maybe imaginary, raise your hand. Definitely imaginary. Okay. 
In Tucson, folklorist Jim Griffith has heard many versions of this story and says she's real. She's real to the extent that you can judge reality by whether or not it influences people's decisions. Griffith says the story comes from Mexico. It's a cautionary tale used by different people for different reasons. He says it changes according to the teller, the audience, and the community. It's probably easier for the parent and maybe easier on the child later on to talk about a mythical scary lady than it is to talk about child rapists. You're substituting a scary thing for a terrifying thing. Real or not, she remains a powerful figure in Arizona. So, if you're out walking on a moonlit night, don't be surprised if you see or hear a woman crying out for her children. Laurel Morales, KJZZ News, Flagstaff. Less than 20% of Arizona is privately owned. In a sense, it belongs to everyone. No one person can claim this land. Katie Campbell discovered one man who got awfully close by becoming the Baron of Arizona. Hey, that's a pretty fancy carriage. Well, now we'll see what a Baron looks like. In Hollywood, the Baron of Arizona, played by Vincent Price, was suave. I am the Baron of Arizona. Howdy, Baron. The Baron was immortalized in film in 1950, but he conned Arizona nearly a century earlier. James Addison Rivas uh, was born in Missouri, and uh, when the Civil War broke out, he joined the Confederate Army, and he, he had a knack for forgery. And so he could forge his commanding officer's signature on leave papers, and, and finally uh, he just wrote himself a permanent leave. <laughs> State historian Marshall Trimble has literally written the book on the hucksters and con men who came to Arizona looking for suckers. As B.T. Barnum said, there's a sucker born every minute, <laughs> and wherever there's a buck to be made, there's con men out to get it. Revis devised a grand scheme to get it one that took advantage of the United States' recognition of Spanish and Mexican land grants after the Mexican-American War. Our agents have collected the necessary copies of all certified documents. The royal decrees... Revis nearly conned his way into about 12 million acres, from where Sun City sits today all the way to Silver City, New Mexico. Why this grant... Uh, uh, why... why it, 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 it takes in practically the entire territory of Arizona. It does take in the territory. The scam relied on forgeries he left in church records from Mexico City to Madrid, inserting a fictitious family into ancient documents. Trimble said that elaborate fake family history traced back to a Miguel Peralta, the Baron de los Colorados. And now he's missing just one thing. He needs an heir. And in California, he finds a little 16-year-old orphan girl, and he convinces her that she is, uh, she looks just like the Peraltas. How would he know they didn't exist? But <laughs> He convinces her, too, and marries her. And she believed she was the Baroness even after Rivas's scam had been revealed. And the scam was revealed, just not before he collected more than $5 million from the Southern Pacific Railroad, mining companies, and landowners like J. Marion Sears. Sears used to have a home where downtown Phoenix sits today. Rivas saw an opportunity. Landowners were panicking and buying back deeds to their own land, and so J. Marion Sears was one of those. 
Karen Chen is a longtime volunteer at the Pioneer Living History Museum, where Sears Victorian House sits today. Museum volunteers like her found a deed from Revis for Sears property for $160. You know, a lot of them were afraid that they were going to lose all their land and everything on it. So Sears just definitely took the bait and <laughs> signed the money over. Back then, folks were suspicious, particularly of strangers trying to gobble up their land. But Sears... He was not suspicious enough, I think. <laughs> the law did catch up to the Baron. The federal government was going to pay Revis millions to make him disappear, but he decided to sue for even more. He told such a good lie uh, that I, he, I think maybe he started to believe it, too. <laughs> but uh, he made his fatal mistake when he sued the government because then it's time to get serious and do an investigation. Investigators found inconsistencies with the ink, the type of pen he'd used, and even paper bearing the watermark of a mill in Wisconsin, dating back long before Wisconsin was on the map. But really, Trimble says the Baron went down because of a key flaw that thwarted many like him. Greed, greed, greed. Arizona's reputation for greed and violence certainly left its mark. But the skepticism the people showed for a man who dared call himself Baron may have left a greater impression. Paul Bender is a law professor at Arizona State University and an expert on the state constitution. He said that skepticism Revis faced, that frontier mentality, that took root. That's the feeling I get from the original Arizona constitution was leave us alone, don't push us around, give us some tools to protect ourselves against the horrible money and interests that can come in and try to take over. After all, Bender said the feds weren't going to be a champion for Arizona. Even Revis, who'd made a sucker of the government itself, seemed to escape the full force of justice. The Baron of Arizona, for all his scheming, was found guilty of fraud in 1895. Will it be a, a long prison term? In the end, he served just two years in prison and paid a $5,000 fine. Katie Campbell, KJZZ News, Phoenix. Thanks for listening to KJZZ's Untold Arizona. I'm Tiara Vianne. This episode was produced with help from Sky Shout. There are plenty of pictures, videos, maps, and more at untold.kjzz.org. Do you have an Untold Arizona story of your own? Drop us a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram using the hashtag UntoldArizona. And check out our Facebook group where you can connect to more people who love a good Arizona tale as much as you do. Did you like this podcast? Please subscribe and rate it wherever you're listening. And if you're looking for more Arizona news and storytelling, visit podcasts.kjzz.org or search for KJZZ wherever you get your podcasts. And if you liked this episode, help us tell even more great stories. Head over to donate.kjzz.org to contribute. This is a KJZZ original production. Until next time, thanks for listening.